Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sex Sells Podcast, where a comedian talks to a relationship therapist about all things gender, sex, dating related in the modern world. I'm Neil. I'm joined with uh, Eliza. How are you going? Good. I'm doing well. How are you? Yeah, I'm great. Uh, this is our last podcast of the year. Wow. We've come a long way. We have. How many? What episode is this? It'll be, it's in the 20s. It's I, in the I 20s. should know, it... but I don't know exactly. I think it's 20-something. That's pretty good. That's really, yeah, six months' worth of podcasts. Has it really? Oh, my God. Yeah, so uh, just to let the listeners know, we're taking the last two... There'll be no podcast in the last two weeks of December, so the last two Wednesdays of December, and the first week of January. So enjoy your Christmas and your New Year, and ah, hopefully 2021 is not as bad as 2020, but Mm -hmm. it's a a pretty low bar, so it's something really... Horrible would have to happen for 2021 to be any worse. Can only go up from here. Yes. We've hit rock bottom. This is not rock. Many old people would say that's not rock bottom. But, yes. Uh, look, there were a few weeks there where there was no past on the shelves. <laughs> that was the biggest crisis for me, actually. It's a trauma for our generation. <laughs> yeah. That's our uh, World War II. The parcel was gone. My yeah. favorite food. Like toilet paper is one thing, but friggin' pasta. Right? All the vegan food was gone. Everything I go to, the beans, the vegetables, and, yeah. and the and the pasta. And I was like, you dickheads. Now you want to do it? Yeah. Yeah. Rude. So what was that? What did you, in that part of the lockdown, what were you living off? Three burritos. Oh, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Everyone was like, "That's you're going to get it from your, oh, shit. Sorry. Too I, late. I can't even, I just bought whatever I could. Yeah. For a good two weeks there, I just, there was enough. There was some stuff that I wouldn't normally eat, I think, but. Um, well, the meat was sold out, but thankfully all the vegan meat was still there. So <laughs> there I was all right. <laughs> I had like veggie sausage rolls, a little beyond meat. Yeah. I've said this to you before. Vegan meat actually tastes really nice. It's getting better and better. Like when I first it's went so vegan, nice. it was, you go get a burger and it was like this mashed potato patty with like peas and corn in it mm. nowadays we get a patty like a meat burger no one knows the difference it's crazy and it feels lighter you don't feel uh you don't get that sort of food coma that you would if you eat a big thick hamburger so not that you, you wouldn't have done that for a while <laughs> yeah i can't really remember so, uh look whether you're a vegan or not vegan meat actually tastes really nice yeah i mean the grilled one's really good if you if you're in Sydney, you got a soul burger. If you're a soul burger, please um, give me it for free. If you want to sponsor this Sponsor podcast, me, please. Sponsor the podcast. Yes. Um, so what a journey it's been. This podcast, we're just going to talk shit. We're not yeah. – there's no topic. We're just uh, – We're just winging it. We're going to reflect on the six months of the Sex Sales podcast that has been – I can't believe <laughs> – has it really been six months? Yeah, we've been about that. Yeah, we started that's, in I think June, Juneish, that's July. That's so crazy. Pretty bizarre. Feels like just yesterday I met you. Yeah, yeah. And we went to where did we go? Lentils or oh, anything? Somewhere in Newtown. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Vegan. Somewhere. That was very nice. Because I'd done it. I'd just done a TikTok uh, making fun of <laughs> vegans, and I was actually really worried because. Not, I didn't think anything bad would happen, but I thought I'd get really dirty looks because that actually these other vegans did responses to it being like, this is wrong. Oh, really? So my joke was just I talk about how um, it's better for the chicken to be in captivity because uh, 
look, the, the premise of the joke is basically look at a chicken. If you let that out into the wild, it's going to suffer. So if you're against animal <laughs> suffering, keep that thing in captivity. And, and so that was, the, and, and I back that. Like I, do you know what? If you though? let a chicken out into the wild, it's going to suffer way more. Let it out. On, no. Okay. Can, if, <laughs> depending on how, how, and I made that in the video. I said, it depends on how, um, ethical the conditions of the chicken uh, are That's you know the what big i thing. totally get that but let me tell you a really sad horrific story that of the worst ever person to be driving behind but i was once driving behind a truck of them transporting chickens like the chickens to be held in captivity kind of thing like they were all smushed into these tiny boxes yeah and i was on a six hour trip with five children um, for work mm. and we we're going in the country and we were driving behind this truck and because I was in like with a, in a mini bus we had to go the same speed as them and one of the one one of the like carts was open or something and then every minute just a chicken was falling out of this truck and just Gosh. splat on the ground traumatizing every single child and I was like fuck factory farming for that mm. Okay, well, that's a situation where... It was like five hours behind this one truck. That seems like unnecessary animal cruelty. I'd be be in favour for uh, better regulations of the way animals are sort of treated and and kept in... Oh, we shouldn't even go into this chat because we'll be here for 14 hours. If you let it out into the wild, it's also going to die. Oh, my God. Yeah, all right. But if we let you out into the wild, yeah, I'll die you too. could die a lion. Could That's eat true. You. Depends where That's you are. That's true. But uh, let the chicken make the choice. Give them the factory <laughs> and give them the wild and let them see where they walk. Well, they'll walk into the wild and then they'll get killed by a dog or a fox. But that might be more beneficial for the ecosystem. So, therefore, could be a benefit. But then if it's animal suffering that you're trying to prevent, then there's a lot of animal suffering in the, in the ecosystem. Yeah, but we're breeding like millions and millions of chickens just for us to eat. But if they were naturally mm. in the wild and naturally being taken out and leveled. They wouldn't even leveled, exist, really. Chickens well, are just like, yeah, they, just... they evolved because of uh, the way we bred certain birds. Yeah. Because there's no way an animal like that could have existed in the wild. Honestly, like if you look at photos of chickens from the 50s to now, it's crazy how different they look. They're and like it's bigger, just the way <laughs> that yeah, things, we yeah. breed things and, you know, the amount of um, grains that we use to feed livestock is enough to end world hunger three times over. So just to breed and just to feed the animals we use mm. to eat, could end world hunger three times over. Like, anyway, moving on. Fun fact about birds, yeah. though. Did you know a, that... A vegan, vegan debate We'll lose all our support and all our fans coming at me. See, but that is another example of a topic that there's. it's either like, or oh, vegans are just so annoying and stupid and they don't know about nutrition, or it's um, everyone else is evil. <laughs> Yeah. So there's no nuance. That's, there's so many topics of today where there's just no nuance. There isn't. Mm. It's a what a world we live in. Mm. War on nuance. Mm. But what were you saying about birds? I was going to say that pigeons yeah. are the most easily, easily domesticated wild animal there is. So you could find a pigeon uh-huh. from the wild and train them and make them your pet very easily Ooh. if you wished. So I love pigeons. 
They're one of my okay. favorite. Pigeons, rats, snakes, and dogs. That's like my top four. Pigeons, rats, snakes, and dogs. Yeah. Well, you can't keep rats and snakes together. I, yeah, no. I used to have pet rats. But now I want a snake. But snakes eat rats. Yeah. So I'm in like this dilemma. I almost got a pet snake. Did you? Yeah, because I wanted an animal that you didn't need to feed every day. And snakes, from what I've heard, you feed them yeah. like twice a week or something. Yeah. Um, but then I ended up getting a cat anyway. And she's a very beautiful... Neil has the nicest cat I've ever met in literally my entire life. She's so beautiful. Let and when I... clone her. When I come in, she like meows to me. Like she literally do speaks you, to me. Do you know when she hears the doorbell, she starts meowing, jumps onto the uh, that scratch post there? <sighs> So whenever she hears a doorbell now, she knows that someone's coming and That's she just wants to so say hello cute. to them. Yeah. Oh, why are cats so, why are animals so beautiful? Well, they've been bred, domestic animals, I'm pretty sure when it comes to pets, I've, re- I've read this somewhere, uh, they were sort of selected for based on their, their qualities of yeah, cuteness yes. and how friendly and Did you know that elephants find us cute? We would be because we're tiny to them. Like elephants find humans cute. It's so cute. And this is why I'm the biggest rat advocate there is because rats are like mini dogs. Can we just cut that little clip out? (laughs) This is why I'm the biggest rat advocate. I get so much hate for my love of rats, but they are literally like dogs. Like my rats, Brenda and Doris, first of all, they had Mm. a litter box. They were trained. They were, I let them roam around my apartment. I'd call their names and they'd just come run. They'd jump on like my pants and like come up and sit on my shoulder. And like they'd sit on my lap, watch movies. I'd give them little tummy tickles. I'd do cooking. It was like ratatouille. They'd be on my shoulders or on my head. The best, I'd go down to the beach when I lived in Manly and I'd like wear a hoodie and the rats would just like sit here. That's so <laughs> And then sometimes they'd like pop their little head out. Like once I was in Coles and one of my rats popped their head out. She's like, fuck, you got a rat in your tits. And I was like, it's all right. It's Brenda. But there. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a rat in your tits. They're very That's beautiful hilarious. animals. And you can train them. I'd go like this and she'd just run down my hand, jump onto your shoulder, chill there. You can get them to do a little basketball. Oh, I want to meet them. They're dead. Oh. <laughs> Unfortunately. What's the lifespan of Only a rat? Only two years. It's so sad. Why don't you get some more? Because it took me like four years to get over that when they died. I'm still, as you can see, I'm still like obsessed. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's sad. Yes. Well, yeah, let's not get into a uh, ethics of animal cruelty discussion we'll do that one day maybe not maybe well, not because i'm me. not really like you know my views on it i'm not really like anti-vegan or anything i feel like I'm you need like, to you should are you still doing your educate me podcast yeah i i did it a little bit but then i don't know i think i'm just doing too much now you're burning out I, I'll, I'll i'll do it but i won't do it as a weekly thing yeah 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 that's good what ones have you done so far oh i've only done three i did um one with my friend who's in finance and also talks a lot about male self-help and things oh, like that. That's and then cool. one with a guy who's studying nuclear medicine. Wow. And Wait, what's nuclear medicine? So it's uh, like, you know how chemotherapy yeah. it sort of deals with radiation and right. things? It's, it's in that field. Wow. Yeah. And then a guy who talked about teaching and teaching in Australia. Oh yeah. Yeah, and um, what yeah, was his summary of teaching in Australia? Oh, uh, it was that we're falling behind, and there's a lot of trends that don't look good for really? even for teachers, and there aren't a lot. There isn't a lot of interest for young people to become teachers, and the, wow. the prestige just isn't really there. And the classroom, the the kids are a lot 
naughtier now. <laughs> Some would say that's because there's they, not a they tough got enough rid hand. Of the cane. Yeah. Uh, also, just in terms of the way we we test and our literacy and numeracy sk- num- numeracy skills are falling behind a lot of not even developed countries. Yeah. Countries that have a much lower per capita GDP than than we. That's do. so. I'm gonna watch that. That's really interesting because I I have been wondering though in particular how you know the advancements of technology is impacting our children because a lot of people who was I as at work the other day and. Um, one of the girls I work with is like, I can't write anymore because I, I just, I don't handwrite anything. I just type. And she's like, I literally like cannot take notes. It has to be typed up. And that to me was like shocking. And then I think about the kids that, you know, for us, it was like in high school, you get a laptop and that was like a big thing. Cause it kind of just became like a thing around our age, I guess. Yeah. But now they're like kids I look after in kindy are getting laptops and things like that and they're learning on the computers rather than really handwriting and they don't do the basic maths as much. They just get the calculator and learn how to use that. And I'm like, that's so wild to me. Like the other day I like had a meltdown because I forgot how to do like, you remember long division? Yeah, I probably I was like, that I was don't such really a good thing to, to know it. and now I've forgotten it. I don't yeah. think I yeah, I don't think I know how to do that. Yeah, I just anymore. can't Jeez, even that's not good, hey. believe it. So I do, I am curious about it. And also like, you know, the uh, eyesight issues for the kids that are like, the, the, I think I can't remember what the stat was, but the amount of children that now require glasses at the age of six has like tripled or something like wild because of how much technology we're looking at and things like that yeah each day and like i think i mentioned once before but a lot of children growing up now will be having more like traits of um autism but not having an actual autism diagnosis but because you know when we're breastfeeding or even just looking after our kids when they're babies that we're not going to be making as much eye contact with them because we'll be looking at a phone or a tv so they're not going to learn how to read facial expressions and they're not going to be kind of like learning the importance of maintained eye contact as a baby Mm. so really like interesting things to think about how technology will change the development of our children Honestly, mm. terrifies me. Like, even just Alexa. Like, do you have that? No. I hate that. Like, get up and turn <laughs> the fucking light switch off yourself. Like, it's so weird to me. No offense, Dad, but I don't get it. <laughs> Would you get it? Um, no, I'm, I can turn things on and off myself. <laughs> Maybe one day I'll get it. But, uh, yeah, I didn't think of that. <laughs> Alexa, turn on my girlfriend. <laughs> That'd be, be the day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'll sell That's well. gonna happen though. Honestly, it'll like diffuse some sort of like female Viagra type thing out of the lights, and then yeah, um, although female Viagra doesn't work on women. Yet. Wait, what? Female Viagra doesn't work. Yeah, on women? they've done like mi- like well, not millions, but hundreds of trials of Viagra for women mm, doesn't work. Doesn't... It's almost completely ineffective because. I th- they think it's because it's so little to do with biology and hormones for women or, or releases and chemicals. It's more so to do with like the psychology. So therefore they can't yeah, really, unless you, you know, giving them a bit of pot or something or MDMA and then they're like inhibitions are kind of gone and their worries are gone and the setting's better, but no one's really going to 
kind of advocate for um, let my girlfriend get horny joints for that or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's <laughs> I like, don't know. Maybe. <laughs> people might, if might it's a thing that people do. People always say Sounds like sex good. on drugs, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's not a it's not yet a thing for women. Hmm. Well, I, I don't see why men would be against that. Yeah. Well, I remember when remember when <laughs> horny lot, goat weed was a thing. Yeah. What is that? I can't remember. I feel like it was just a trend, like a placebo type thing. Yeah. A lot of that stuff doesn't really. Surely. So Viagra doesn't actually make you horny. Aroused. It just like increases the blood, blood flow. flow, so you're more likely. You're, it's just you get a quicker erection, and it and it Lasts. generally lasts longer. Yeah. But it does, and it also doesn't just give you an erection. You got yeah. to still be turned on. Yeah. Then the erection is usually just faster. And yeah. Harder. Exactly. But a lot of people, a lot of men think, uh, well, younger men think uh, Viagra just gives you this erection, and you're yeah. just sitting there with it. With this giant. Not really. Yeah. No, it, mm. it um amplifies uh, the erection. I actually watched a really interesting. I think it was Vice, like little doco about Viagra and how it's become. You know. 10 years ago, it was most common for men in their 40s and 50s to use it. But nowadays, mm. the highest amount of people buying it is actually men in their early 20s. And some of it was because of the porn-induced erectile dysfunction. But a, a lot of it, actually, probably the majority was just because they felt like it was easier. This, it wasn't Australian men. It was men in the UK that this was like the doco was on about. So I don't know how it differentiates because I don't actually know of – any guys in Australia that do it, but I doubt they'd be telling me if they did. Um, oh, I know. I, I Even I did it for a while because I was right. like, damn, like it really gives you a yeah, good impression. Yes. It's not that I couldn't get one, but it was it, then like your p- performance improved dramatically. Yeah, and that's exactly and so what they were saying. When it was a, often if it was like a one night stand or if it was the first time I was sleeping yeah. with a girl, I was just like, I'll just do it. So then yeah. it comes across that I'm amazing in bed. You just got to. Uh, but then be- I stopped because yeah. I was like, oh, this is not a good, I should not be doing this in my early 20s uh, because then. You I was reliant. worried I'll yeah become reliant on it and lose the ability to do it yourself. Yeah, so so keep that in mind now that you've heard how good it is. Yeah, don't, it, you do it once because it's it's pretty fun. Treat then, it like you would ecstasy. Yeah, yeah. Preferably not, but if you do it once every few months or whatever, how, I don't know what people yeah. do. Yeah, no, I've got a lot of I've actually got a few mates that do that. Wow. Yeah, but they don't really. Yeah, they wouldn't tell the girls. I was going to say it's not something that's really ever expressed to the women, but yeah. that is that is interesting. Do you speak about it kind of openly amongst the guys? More so, yeah. N- now I wouldn't have when I was younger, but yeah, yeah, yeah that's cool. It's it's interesting that like, it's kind of trending all over. Then I even saw a podcast the other day, and this is a sort of male self help. Uh, actually talking a lot of, to a similar degree about the things I talk about on this podcast. It's not, it is almost going against some of the other progressive cultural ideas and talking about, no, this is, it's a, this is a more modern and intelligent way mm. to, to look at yourself as a man in today's society. Right. And a guy got on there and this is this like really fit, big black dude on there and he's like, man, I had to stop um, watching porn because I just couldn't get it up. Yeah. And it was like, cool that he's talking about that yeah. and, and so open about that because that is such a cliche that ooh, it happens to a lot of guys but it, it really does and with the yeah. porn stuff now it's uh 
uh, yeah, it's it's increasing it a lot. And for sure, it's not good. It's not good for women. Actually, they're yeah. the ones that have to. Yeah, the men have to endure the embarrassment of it, and then you know, women don't get a. It's really good that someone that is kind of erected dick. <laughs> <laughs> it's good that someone like that, you know, an attractive, fit person, came and spoke openly about that. And I think that's yeah. what kind of makes people. Um, more aware of it. Like there, there's a, a a girl that's a very – she's Sydney. She's a very popular influence. Her name is Jade Tunk Doric or something. <laughs> Sorry, I've butchered your name. It's Jade is her first name. Um, Jade? And, yeah, it's spelled Jade, oh. uh, pronounced Jade. It's Turkish. Oh, okay. And, um, so it's it, not like a white girl being she's like, not, it's actually pronounced yeah, Jade. She's not being douchey. She, okay. she goes through this all – she's posts about that a lot. Okay. Um, but she's kind of come forward about having um, – a diagnosis of HPV, which is very, very, well, actually like 90, I think it's like 96 or 95% of sexually active, active people will have HPV. You rarely show symptoms for it. Um, doesn't really matter if you do, if you go to the doctor, it's never going to come up on an STI screening because everyone basically has it. Is this uh, like herpes and cold sores? Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. And there's like thousands and thousands and thousands of different strains. So yeah. when you get the like, when women get the, or girls get the cervical cancer shots, it's protecting you against that okay. um, because basically everyone will have it. You will certainly have it. I will <laughs> certainly have it. Well, everyone that's sexually active that, has it. Like, it is, you will definitely because have Because I it. know you're, se- you talked <laughs> about being, sec- if you've had more than one sexual partner, you have it. If you've if you've had a sexual partner, if you've had one sexual partner who's had other sexual partners, you also have it. Like you pretty much will always have it unless you've lost your virginity and never been with anyone else. Like both of you, like you can get it. It's from finger anything. It's like okay, it's- yeah. I've heard I've heard different things. I've heard like one in seven people have it, or some say fifty percent of people have no, it. But no, now no, you're saying no, no, of no, no. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. There you go. I don't know where you, that one came. Maybe maybe I'm good chlamydia. One in three young people have chlamydia. <laughs> what? Yeah. One in three. Yeah, but that was that was a trend from like no. maybe like like ten. But is that one that's also asymptomatic? Where yes. and, and you, it, that's one where you generally in two weeks it'll just go. Yeah, by itself, you just right? take two pills and it's gone. And even if you don't take the pills, it'll usually just go. No. Oh. So well, one in three. You damn. Yeah. That's so the thing about chlamydia. Is that is completely asymptomatic and it's not concerning for a male. You'll be giving it to every single person. This is if you're having unprotected sex. But what they're saying is that there's been a wave recently of, you know, women now who have had fertility issues. And they're saying that they found that once they've tested these women, you know, they may have only had one, two sexual partners in their whole life. And they're like, why can't I have a baby? It turns out they've been, they've had chlamydia for 10 15 years and it rendered them infertile because they never knew they never had symptoms um so and the same thing with you know hpv and and genital warts and things like that for men you might get these ugly symptoms every so often or whatever it's really not that big of a deal but for a woman when you have it internally you can get cancer you lose you risk your fertility and that's why it's so important to have protected sex and get pap smears if you're a woman um, and mm. get yourself tested because it's um, it's not it's, – it's a much higher risk for females to get STIs than it is for men. And men seem to really not care. They're like, well, I'll take two tablets and who gives a shit? Um, 
and women mm. are like they don't understand the risk that come and comes with that so anyway this jade girl she has hpv as with most sexually active people and she she got a pap smear and um but her she had the abnormal cell so maybe that's where you're getting your stats because there's like Mm. a couple of strains out of like i don't know a oh, okay. hundred or a thousand there's like 20 strains that are considered like higher risk right that give you abnormal cells and so she had those so she's had to have surgery and then since then there were like hundreds of women commenting saying i got a pap smear because of you and i found out i also had that and i need to get you know surgery and thank you for speaking openly i didn't even know it was a thing because it doesn't come back on sti screens mm. yeah yeah, that's sad, isn't it? I really I heard sad. that as well. Yeah. That uh, STIs affect women a lot more mm. than they do men. Yeah, men often don't show symptoms, and if they do, it's often very easily treatable. Whereas, yeah, if it's left to fester with uh, with women, it 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 can be severely detrimental. And not to be like a dickhead or man bashing, but you know, ninety percent of the time, it's it's men that are really pushing to have unprotected sex or putting mm. that kind of pressure on. Um, and it's like, well, if you're not in a relationship with them, it's really not worth it. Like if it's going to be a one night fling as a woman, don't risk it. Like, yeah, if you're in, if you're married and you're like, okay, I know you have this and you've got that for life. I'll, I will have sex with you knowing that I have that risk, but if we're careful about it, like, you know, with HIV or AIDS, it's not really a thing that's spread anymore. It's actually really not even a concern because of the medication we have now can bring your your count down to zero, meaning that even though you will have it for life, if your count is at zero, you cannot spread it. So mm. if you have HIV or AIDS and you're taking your medication, it's virtually impossible for you to spread it. The chances is like 0.02% or something. Well, that's good. Not even 1%. Well, then, yeah, it's then amazing. It, then it should be able to be eradicated within a few generations. It is, yeah. That's and, great. And there's a, you can get, there's a um, medication called PrEP that some gay men take and it's like you take it before you have unprotected sex and that prevents you from spread, getting, receiving HIV or AIDS if that person were like, you know, acti- actively had it and weren't taking their medication, that mm. would kind of protect you from that. So you take it in preparation for sex. I can. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with male contraception as it's well because that's gotta, being... Got to catch up with these microbes. Yeah. They keep mutating. So there'll be yeah. in another 10 years, some other new STI will come out. That's, oh, the something will be gnarly. Yeah, 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 will yeah. come out. Someone will actually fuck the bat. And, and, then... Then, and then it'll be... Some and that's when everyone goes to the AIDS, sex robots. HPV mutation. <laughs> yeah. But then, well, you know how computers get viruses? Sex robots will probably get viruses. Oh, my but, God. But do you think they'd be able to, there'd ever be any computer to human transfer of a, would a digital virus be able to mutate? Into I reckon something? yes, because we'll soon become so like, technology like will become like one with robots and people will have like you remember when google glasses was going to be a thing well, have you have Neuralink? no what is that it's Don't an scare elon me. musk thing i think there's a little chip they're putting in people's brains and then they're able to it's the first step towards implanting ai into oh ourselves oh my god that is terrifying but a lot of these technologies can have very uh positive effects as well obviously that's why people are going to want to do it they're going to be like i'm going to be 10 times smarter than the average person blah, 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 until they find out these chips they blow up or something happens or the sex robot gives you a virus and then you're brain dead or something i don't know god imagine having a 
<laughs> if you were cheating on your partner with a sex robot and then your partner's like, uh, I've just found out I have this virus. Who have you been sleeping with? And then you have to be like, oh, a robot. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so If they so already terrifying. wouldn't have lost respect for you, then they're like, oh, at least be cheating on me with a human. Do you know they're saying <laughs> that like the um, the Y chromosome is like slowly changing or mutating with time every every so often like over the years that eventually in like 480,000 years I think it was so men will no longer exist <laughs> that's just something I've heard what? yeah <laughs> I'll have to read this yeah this, that sounds very interesting and then that and as well as that they're finding that you know how like they did, were did, sorry just really quick, are they <laughs> saying the men the men of today the genetic makeup of a man today will be completely different is it a sort of thing where we've got this uh massive amount of dna strains and then and then each generation or something there's every so often there are mutations so then the the in four hundred and eighty thousand years all of those strains would have mutated at least once so then then it the, yeah, a man would be a completely different genetic man, but yeah. but the sex differences would still still well, exist. Well, I don't know. The, right? it, they were saying the male sex won't exist, but the female sex has remained pretty much consistent like in their gene. Anyway, I don't really know how to explain it, but I do know that they were looking at how – I will link you. That's but do you know how like it weird. is like a kind of a trend um, and people were saying, you know, we no longer – we have so much um, sperm banks – at the moment, that if every single man was dropped dead right now, we would easily be able to continue life with the amount of sperm donations we have, like blah, blah, blah. You don't need men. But now what's happening is they're finding that you can, like, create, um, uh, I don't know what the biological term is, but pretty much we're close to, we're on the brink of being able to have babies without men or sperm donations from bone marrow in women anyway i wasn't going down well good then then the two uh like if it was a lesbian couple then they can have a biological child that's genetically both or when the men go to all the sex robots women will like i said you know thought i did speculate when we will become lesbian if every single man yeah, but then you know what men will start doing is they'll start breeding you know michael jordan with lebron james yeah. And just creating these like super athletes. There's a show on Netflix at <laughs> the moment <laughs> about making like designer babies. And it is like, it's already a thing. It was a thing in the, it, it started popping up, I'm pretty sure, but even in the 90s. And yeah, they but had now that it's like movie legal. about it and stuff. And yeah. then uh, it sort of was quiet for a while. But yeah. Yeah, you can do all sorts of things. It's not even it's, that like scary. Like you can just go to like a specific type of, fertility clinic they're all over the world it's not like you have to pay a hundred thousand dollars it's like 10 grand and you can pretty much influence like the intelligence the way your child looks like well why not no i feel like you know mother nature there's going to be a cycle here something is going to come around and sort this the way it should be Hmm. like it's going to be like what happened to the dinosaurs but to us (laughs) eventually yeah it's so scary it freaks me out honestly yeah, Where that's a big, big ethical questions there about, yeah, changing the... Because it's still the child of the two parents, but you're just finding the best possible DNA. That's the basic my basic understanding of that designer babies concept. So 
they're able to isolate certain genes that wouldn't be optimal, say, for the child, whereas they can find the ones that would be, you know, correlate to higher intelligence or yeah. tall uh, you know, more growth or whatever. But if every is. single child did that, like we, as then sad as this is, we do need these outliers in society. Like we need these kind of random, you know, we need the spectrum. Otherwise, if everyone was of the same, you know, beauty and, and success and like, I don't know, it would just, it, what would happen? It doesn't, I don't know. Like I feel like it's not good to mess with the course of nature and, and I like maybe on a more spiritual well, level as if, well. What if, uh, say, they're isolating, um, you know, a susceptibility to cancer or sickness yeah. or illness, and 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 they say, yeah, we're able to ensure that your child doesn't have this cancer gene or doesn't have these uh, other, you know, deformities or something like that. Then I think it's fine when it comes good? to health, but I think. It's not okay to be like, I'm going to make the most beautiful, intelligent child of the world. And then, you know, I just feel like, God, I'm glad that we're living in this day and age and not like a hundred or so years from now. Like I'll come back as a ghost and be like, well, fuck this. Like, Could be great. Could be paradise. You don't know. I mean, by the time our grandchildren die, they'll be, Mars. they'll be like, yeah, they'll be in Mars. They'll be frozen, whatever, waiting for it. Life will be so different. It's mm. crazy. And that's why people are like, we shouldn't be having kids now. Like I remember Miley Cyrus was saying, I will not have kids until I know like that it's it's just not right at the moment with the way that society is. How is it going to help them? How are they going to live a, a good life kind of thing? Yeah, that's a common uh, argument. You shouldn't actually be having kids because of overconsumption and, and climate change and yeah. the resources we have with the technology we have. Uh, the argument against that is, well, we need great minds to be able to solve a lot of these problems, and it's yeah. generally dumb people that have a lot of kids. Yeah, and smart people don't. They like generally. It's true. Not always, but are more likely to focus on things like career and, or ha yeah. you know, people who are already thinking about those sorts of existential ideas are more likely. Not all. This is probably very offensive to some people who, yeah, uh, have four kids in a academics or something like that. But I'm just saying. Yeah, it's the stereotype likely. is like, yeah, you go out west and there's that like teen mom with five kids oh, or whatever. Oh, it's totally a thing. Like I work in child protection in Western Sydney and I'm working with kids in foster care and it's literally to any mum or, or parents that have 10, 12 children, they're all, you know, have never worked, they've never had an education, they all really, really struggle. And unfortunately the same thing happens for their kids and then the kids below them. And often what will happen is we'll have a kid that gets, you know, removed very sadly from home, put into the system, and then their, the bio, well, their mother will say, I was a kid of the system too and their mother was a kid of the system too. So even though she the mom had these 10 kids and we took the kids away. She was one of 10 and she was taken away, but she's kind of repeated the pattern anyway. It's very interesting and sad. Should, yeah. I mean, should have capped them at a certain number of children. Uh, yeah, well, then where? But then you start getting into questions, ethical questions of well, almost eugenics, Yeah, really. Like if you're saying, okay, certain people with a certain level of intelligence or you have to be this in this certain income bracket to have children or you exactly. have to pass this moral test what is to, to then uh, 
be granted permission to do you know what because the word fuck came from uh uh i don't know if it was medieval or um you know england say in the 17th 16 renaissance england but uh it stands for fornication under consent of the king so in a village if you wanted to have kids you had to go to the king or the noble or something and say yo can we fuck can we have sex and they were like yes we grant you the permission from the crown to fornicate. And, <laughs> that is and insane. I, that's what a teacher told me. It sounds a yeah. bit bizarre. Somebody check that in the comments. But <laughs> I'm pretty sure... I don't know why... Yeah, that's such a... Yes, one of you... One of you, one of you peasants. <laughs> <laughs> and subscribe. Uh, but... Oh I don't see why she would lie about that. Yeah, well, but, and and then they in a little peasant hut they had a, a sign <laughs> on the front of their hut saying fornication under consent of the king, so no one was supposed to oh disturb them because God. they were they had been granted permission to have sex and they were having that sex. That is wild. Do you know what else I I learned a crazy historical fact the other day, and that is you know with in regards to abortion that abortion was fully legal right up until i think it was 1860 which is all the 60s how did they do it before that uh, i don't know i didn't go that far into probably the the older coat hanger or yeah. something i'm not sure um but oh i think it was actually it was probably a chemical kind of like mm. something that makes you violently ill um however anyway it was totally legal um up until the 1860s, which is when they abolished slavery. Um, and then they made abortion illegal then because they no longer had people to do their labor for free. So they were like, well, let's make all these children that have, you know, when they've assaulted the slaves and things like that and they've born children, usually the slaves would go and get them aborted, but now they had to have these kids. So then they used the children to do the labor. And that's when abortion was that's first so made illegal. Yeah, because they no longer have people to do all their shit for free. So was it the same in England, Australia, and the rest Apparently, of Europe? Yeah. Wow, but there yeah. wasn't. But the other countries didn't have slavery. In yeah, the way exactly. Did. Well, well not... they it probably wasn't. It wouldn't have all been abolished at the yeah. same time. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and then. It's funny that uh, a lot of conservatives now in America will talk about how Planned Parenthood was actually a way to control the black population. And the founder of Planned Parenthood, there's a quote that's constantly being circulated, which, I don't, again, I don't know how right. true it is. It's on the internet. Uh, and and it's, a, it's a quote. This is early 20th century, I think. So mm. the language was different then. And it's, you know, that we need to uh, control the Negro race or something like that. We need to exterminate the Negro wow. race. Something really... Intense, and this is this sort of foundation that is really now a symbol of progressivism mm. and and uh, cultural freedom. But it's just interesting how potentially I again I cannot verify how true that quote is that origins are from a much more malicious yeah or uh, a point of view. That is wild, so crazy. Did you watch the movie that came out recently? It's called it's called like Antebellum Antebellum. It's like a horror. No. Oh my gosh, you must watch it. It's so good. It's kind of about this. It's crazy. About like, like abortion. Um, yeah. Well, not so much that, but ma mainly like black slavery and how mm. oh, 
uh, pretty much it's a movie that's got a lot of those things, but you're not sure if it's a present day 2020 or an 1860 kind of thing. And then kind of the two merge together and it is like really horrific, but amazing. Mm. Recommend. How do you feel about a late term abortion? So the ones that are quite far into a pregnancy, because I know... In Australia, I'm pretty sure it's a, it, what is it, it's 22 weeks where then after that it's illegal or? I thought it was early. I thought it was 14 weeks. Oh, okay. But I might be wrong. They might have changed from? it. Okay. I haven't checked it in a long time actually. Um, but I think that they do make exemptions for medical abortions. So, yeah, so okay. people that uh, or fetuses or babies that have like severe medical um, or um, significant disabilities that they can abort those children at a later term, um, a later state in the pregnancy. But I'm not sure about your your stock standard. Do you think? Fetus. Do you think? Uh, how do you personally think that it should be regulated? Say if it's a if it is a later on in in the pregnancy and there isn't a medical issue and the woman just maybe wants to not have the child. I think that it should be kind of for those one. I am obviously, well, it might not be obvious. I am in support of abortion and pro-choice. Pretty obvious. It would have been weird if you came out. Imagine it wouldn't have fit with your other uh, values. Yeah, but um, would have been surprising. But to for, say the least. <laughs> for late late term abortions, I'd say I think it should be kind of like a case by case. What is the reason for it? Is it because it was, you know, is it a 14 year old girl that was or 13 year old girl that was raped and wasn't even aware of how babies were made? And then she's getting bigger and she doesn't know she has a baby in her stomach and then finds out she's pregnant. And she's like, I can't do this. Like, it's too horrific. Mm. Then I would be like, yes. But I do think that removing a, a, a fetus that is, you know, almost fully developed, I think that that would be more traumatic for that individual than to just have the baby and then give it to someone, like remove Mm. the baby after birth. Like if it's going to be a matter of one month or two months, I think you should just carry the baby to full term and know, okay, I'm done now. I've pushed through. There we go. Someone else is raising it. But to know that this baby was almost developed in you, it gets cut out, you will, you'll be contemplating that for the rest of your life. Like as a, if that happens when you're 14 and then you, you know, 10, 20 years later, you'd be thinking about that a lot, being like, oh, why did I do that? But I also think that if it was between the mother and her physical health, and um, the baby, like I know, you know, in, in the olden days, it was much more common for women to be like, if you have to choose, choose the baby. Like, no, the mother's health should always come first because, mm. you know, well, back then, what are the chances of the baby even surviving? But nowadays, you know, it's you just got to put yourself first. I think that should be like if it's risking you to have a baby. And that's a thing. I think, you know, women that have cancer and um, have – are more pregnant or later in terms of their pregnancy and they're like okay you have to have chemo and then it comes to this battle of do i push chemo off for three months until i can have the baby or do i you know abort this baby now and have a chance of living through this and surviving cancer like it's a terrible choice to make i don't know what i would do honestly i'd be like choose the baby (laughs) but here i am saying choose the mother yeah it's a terminal cancer yeah Ooh, that's a tough one. I'd, I think I'd want to live. Yeah. Yeah. On a more lighthearted note, would <laughs> no, you? I was gonna. Okay, go. Would on. you drink breast milk? <laughs> you gotta give me some context to that. Like, am I like from a tit or what? Are yeah. We... Let's, well, let's do it from. Let's let's start baby steps. 
she's poor, she's just squirted it into a glass and it's your wife, not a random. Yeah, I'll give it a taste. Why not? Yeah, and then from the tip. Nah, it's gonna. No, nah, I don't. I don't know. What? Why? Like, is it a dare or something? Or what? A, no, what's just, the reason? Just felt like you want some milk. I mean, if I was desperate, if I was like starving, yeah, I would. <laughs> but otherwise, what, what breastfeeding mother would let me suck on a tip? First I don't know. Of all? To be honest, who knows? <laughs> this twenty-six-year-old bearded guy. Yeah, you want you want a bit of this milk? Maybe she's into it. Look, probably no. I'd drink it. I'd yeah. I'll drink it out of a bottle, I guess. Out of a bottle, <laughs> like oh, a baby's not? bottle. Yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> Give it a taste. It'll feel a bit weird, but it's just uh, chemicals at the end of the day. Well, it's I've heard it tastes really nice, like sweet nutrition. almond milk. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Maybe I will. Maybe I will suck it then. <laughs> Would you eat a placenta? What that is that the thing that the yeah, Baby it's kind of like in. a skin casing. It's like slimy and red. Okay, and again, so why why am I eating it? Well, it has like it's supposed to be like the single most nutritionally beneficial thing that you could possibly ever consume. Oh, they're not eating it. Yeah. Yeah. So people sure. like basically what happens is you give birth, you have a baby, right? Mm. And then like an hour, ten minutes to an hour or two later, your placenta just falls out of you. People forget about that. Like think, yeah, the baby, it's done. No, you gotta wait for your placenta to come out. It's just ran a big sack of like skin. Does it taste nice? I can't. I don't know. I've. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I've never known anyone to eat it. There's just a bunch of people <laughs> standing there at the maternity I, ward, like. I once saw a cow a eating another cow's placenta hmm. while it was still hanging out of her. Well, if it's that nutritious, then yeah. I'd. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd obviously. You can have get to it made into capsules as well, like woman tablets. Who just had birth, but <laughs> just linger in the hospital and be yeah. like, "Hey, are you gonna? Hey, you got any placenta? You gonna use that?" I need a hit. Need a hit of placenta. I kind of would want to get it in. Like people make jewelry from it. Like I wouldn't be mm, against that. But wouldn't it break down if it's like biological components and things, or is it can it last for a long time? Yeah, like leather. Oh yeah, true. Mm. <laughs> but, yeah, sure. Do you agree? If <laughs> you heard that little meow, there's just a cat next to me. I was gonna ask. Do you think? Do you think men are allowed to have an opinion on abortion? Of course they can have an opinion. Mm. Do they get the choice? Unfortunately, no. Mm. But, I, yeah, I don't think that men should have an, a, a choice on, on that because giving birth is something to, for a woman that doesn't want to have to give birth, that's her life gone if she is forced to give birth to a child she doesn't want. That can be the most single most traumatic thing. And if you have ongoing long-living trauma that you can't, you know, work towards or, or get over, that will that her life will never be as fulfilling. So what's more important, you know, to this man, he's like, oh, I might have a baby. And then, okay, unfortunately, it is traumatic to have a pregnancy terminated for men. I totally agree with that. But it is going to be significantly more traumatic for that woman. Mm-hmm. And that's like, you know, who's it going to affect more, that male or the female? So I mean... So more so uh, on the uh, legality debate of it, for example. So yeah. uh, if a man, ha- generally if the man is, is pro-life, you often see comments saying, yeah. you know, no uterus, no comment, it's not your business, yeah. that sort of thing. 
what do you think of that? Do you think uh, do you think a man who is pro life should be listened to, and should uh, their opinion should be taken in the same sort of esteem as a, a woman who's pro choice, or do you think there's something uh, because it's affecting the woman more? It's not as though the man shouldn't have the opinion, but ultimately yeah. the opinion of women should win out. Yeah, like when I put myself on the male's perspective as someone that loves babies and, and desperately wants them, when I think of, you know, the joy I could feel knowing my partner was going to have a baby and then for them to say no, like if I was in a lesbian couple and then I found out that, you know, we had, she was, we decided we're going to have a baby and then she changed her mind. Like that to me would be gut-wrenchingly, like I would be distraught, but I know ultimately she's going to have to carry that baby for nine months and it is, it's her body. So she gets to choose, even though it's my DNA or whatever, it's her body. And it, it is what it is. I don't think they could have a legal say, like, could you imagine the ramifications of that? If, if there was a soul or an abusive relationship or something like that. And he said, you have to have this baby or I'm taking you to court. Like shit. Like people don't usually get mm. abortions for the fun of it. Cause it's a casual Thursday afternoon. Woo, abortion day. Like, you know, there's always a reason for it. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Heavy. Yeah. Yeah. But I like that. Yeah. Uh, I like the heavy topics. <laughs> I like abortion. <laughs> 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 Yeah, I'm pro. I yeah, I don't, I don't know. It I don't is. know why people get so. No, I do see. Sorry, I understand why people get really heated about it, mm-hmm. and I can see both perspectives. But uh, ultimately, at the, I do think women should have the right to terminate the pregnancy up to a certain amount of weeks. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Um. And culturally, you should want to listen to the biological father. If the biological father has a set, want, maybe wants to offer a different solution or something, mm-hmm. I think the woman should at least listen to that. And I'm sure most would. Oh, for sure. But yeah, uh, yeah I, at the end of the day, because she's the one carrying it, she would yeah. get the, the say. I, I also, at what point do you think it becomes its own person with its own rights and agency the so baby? that's often the the i guess the conservative argument as well it's like it's not the woman's body no it's its own little body yeah within the other woman's body so uh just because it's dependent on on that mother the fetus is is sort of the viability of that fetus is dependent on the mother you could it's a tenuous link, but I suppose mm. you could make the argument that, well, yeah, a child is also dependent on their parents, but it yeah. doesn't mean that parents can one day just say, you know, I don't want this anymore. Yeah, I think that it becomes its own child within its right as soon as it's born. As soon as it's born? But okay. prior to that, I don't think so. As much as, you know, I am the biggest baby advocate, I know. But, like, I kind of – this is a terrible thing to reference to, but it's almost like if you have, like, an extra limb. Because babies aren't self-aware. They're not, it's not like they're born and they become self-aware. But, you know, in the womb, they're not self-aware. It's like kind of like having this, you know, an extra arm. It moves. It's there. You've grown it yourself. Um, and you might want it or you might not. But at the end of the day, if you remove that extra arm, no one's going to be like, you murderer. 
Oh, like it's mm. almost the same kind of thing. Although this arm doesn't Different have the potential yeah, to kind of grow up and have an individual life, whatever. It's, it's seven and eight months into the, the pregnancy, the, there is a nervous system and it would, it, it yeah. would feel pain. Right? Yeah, yeah. So but, this is a bit different to an, a, a limb. Yeah, but the the way that it would be aborted, I doubt that it would feel pain. Well, I don't know how it. Yeah, that's true. How children are terminated that late into pregnancy? Yeah, yeah. It's not something I look. Yeah. I've looked into a lot, but it, it is obviously a very heated debate. Yeah. And uh, especially in America, mm. we tend to follow the trends of what they're talking about. We end up talking about a few years later. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Like, I know that people would be uncomfortable with with me saying that and like you know naturally my my gut reaction would be like you know save the baby save the baby that's what I feel but like when I think logically and for the person that's carrying the baby I have to have like a realistic kind of mindset like it's not about what I want or what these conservatives want or anything like that it's really about that person's life like I don't I struggle sometimes to understand when there's such a push for these teen moms to have a baby if they don't love that child once it's born that child's going to live a shit life. If they grow up without a mum that, that, or, or a caregiver that can bond with them or, care, or provide a mm. level of like support and nurture and compassion, that child's not going to thrive in mm. life and they're going to live a very, very intense life unless at some point a consistent caregiver comes in um, to look after them. But it might not be likely. Yeah, I, I guess the argument that could possibly uh be against that is it's a it's sort of pragmatism versus like a moral standard mm. so the 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 pragmatism and maybe not the convenience per se but the um the rights of the of the mother there versus say the moral standard that uh that that is whether or not it is a life now, it is going to become a life and mm. they're ascribing meaning onto that life saying it's sacred, if you will. So it's actually, mm. yeah, in many ways it is a... Um, but then there is also the scientific point where, yeah, it develops the nervous system and things yeah. like that. But, yeah, when it's just a, a sort of newly fertilised egg that yeah. doesn't have an... Obviously doesn't have a nervous sure. system or anything like yeah. that. And it, 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 in many ways, it Just is a little a, cluster of cells. That's the yeah. thing. But then conservatives will say, well, yeah, every human is also a cluster mm. of cells. So I, I like listening to both sides. And that's not an issue. I have a very, I'd say I'm, I'm pro-choice, but it's not really something I've a really, I hate it has yeah. to be this way. And most people are. And I can see why. Yeah. We're talking about life and babies here. Um, yeah. And I think it comes down to a lot of it is like, you know, the, other people should not make a choice about my life and the outcome of my life for me. That should be my choice to make. And I totally get that. And, you know, this isn't – I don't support, you know, forced um, have the baby in in abortions illegal. I don't support that. But, you know, if it were illegal, what are you going to do as a conservative to ensure that that baby can live a fulfilling and thriving life? Because if she doesn't want them and the father's not in the picture – Good luck. Like it'll be left on its own, probably in a cot for you know 
nine hours straight without any kind of yeah. interaction, it's not going to develop normally anyway. And then it's going to become a child of the system. And by the time it gets noticed, it'll be five or six year old, five or six years old, and the developmental issues will be already too far embedded in it for it mm. to be reversed, kind of thing. And it's just like this kind of cycle that goes. And if it and, you know, people always come back with this like, well, why don't we just take the baby at birth and give it to adoption and things like that. But in Australia, when a baby is born, if it's removed directly from the care of its birth mother, which happens, you know, no, if that birth mother has history of, you know, drug abuse or, or relinquishing care of the child. Now the laws have been changed where it's it's automatically set that for the first two years at least – you have to try restoring the child back to its birth family. That's like the legal standard now. So it used to be like, well, let's just assume that it's going to be a child in care. We'll try find it like a foster mom or someone to adopt them. No, it's automatically going to be we restore the child to the birth mother unless there is significant ongoing issues that prevent that mother from being care. But we have to try everything we can before it gets to that point. We can't just state she doesn't want it. Sorry. It has to be like we've got to put the mom through therapy and training and this is this, this. And then once all that fails, then we can say, okay, this child can remain. Why did they change that? What's the argument for this new version where well, we wanted to go back to the birth mother? Was it was it some birth were there mothers who uh lost their child early on and then said well, I changed it around in seven months and I couldn't get the child back. Was yeah, there a lot of those cases? That's one of the reasons. And, you know, I've been with that. I had a child who was um, very young. He was only five um, and he was removed from his birth mother at birth because she had mental health issues and he was placed with a foster carer. And once, as soon as the child was removed, that birth mother, and I've worked with her for a while, we went through court and everything together. She's a very beautiful person. She tried so hard and she did everything she could to get that baby, well, get the boy back for years, mm. but it was never, the court just didn't approve. And so there's a whole lot more, but I can't really disclose the details of it, but it was so heart-wrenching to see she totally turned her life around trying to get this boy back but they wouldn't let her. Mm. Um, so that was that was one reason. But the other reason is that they changed the laws because they've found that statistically children that have been removed from homes and placed into foster care, even if they're with really amazing foster carers, they have a couple of placements here and there. The statistics of that, the outcome of that child's life aren't great. It's almost better to stay sometimes in a home where things aren't that good but good enough, just slightly mm, good enough. Consistent. Yeah, it's better to have a very, you know, four out of 10 home than to have a 10 out of 10, three foster placements. As messed up as that is, it's, um, they are finding it's better to stay with your family for, for the longer term outcomes in terms of career, education, um, the criminal justice system, mental health, emotional development, physical development, mm. like everything. Um, so it's, it's, it is hard because, you know, I've been the person that has removed kids from like really terrible families and I've also been the person well, most oh, recently. What's that like? It's very sad. You're the person there taking the child. Yeah. Just you or are you with? You're always with one other person. And do you, you don't have Sometimes to talk about it, just but me. What, what was that like? Um, it's very, it's. Because of the, is there resistance from the parents? 
sometimes sometimes yeah. the parents are so just disgusting that they don't give a shit or they'll be so off their face on ice or something they're just looking at you sitting on the couch as you take this walk these kids out and usually it's you know the kids that it's never really the parents that resist it's the kids and that's the sad part like no yeah. matter how much abuse they've gone through they don't want to be um and you know we've had kids that have i've had to take out of homes that we couldn't find anywhere to put them and they've lived in a hotel as like a 10 year old, you know about that one, but like for a year. Yeah. Um, so it's, it can be really sad, but unfortunately it was that point where it's like, we were working with kids never just get removed being like, unless it was like you found out that that child was being severely sexually assaulted every single night, you would never remove the child straight away. It's always like, okay, look, here's what's happened. We've got this report about, you know, concern about this child, we're going to work with you for three months and we're going to do everything we can to make sure things are home because we want to keep this baby with you. Like, do you agree? And they'll be like, yes, yes, of course. Don't take these kids away. So we set up like drug and alcohol counseling and therapy and this and that. We set up all these services. We spend like thousands and tens of thousands of dollars bringing people in the home, teaching mom how to cook, teaching mom how to change nappies, like cleaning the place for them. And then when it comes down to like it, they end up not going to any of the appointments. They don't put in any of the work. They don't do anything. So then it comes hard to, I then have to make like this kind of, I had to prove to people if I want to keep the baby with the family, I have to prove that they've been proactive and they've been trying. But when they literally do nothing and they lock you out and they don't go to any of the therapies or the, the drug testing, it's really hard to advocate and in the meantime we'd get more and more child protection reports but like yeah. when you think about it if if you gotta take that then you gotta take the go and take the children yeah like there's a hundred there's, well, there's heaps of like child protection centers in new south wales right and for each center um there's maybe like 200 reports a day at least at minimum about child protection concerns of those 200 only 10 will get sent to a center. So it's like the 10 worst reports will get sent. And of that 10, only one of them will get investigated because that's all they have the capacity to investigate. So Mm. pretty much out of 200, only one is going to get looked into. And that one that gets looked into, is that's going to be the one where you do months of work to try to keep the child there. So, so much goes into it. And is that uh, those 200, are they just, say, calls from neighbors or police or just anyone who might think, or, or suspect that yeah. uh, some bad parenting is occurring. Yeah. So unfortunately, so like they they put into two categories, risk of significant harm or non-risk of significant harm. Yeah. And so if you ever make a child protection report, you can't say like, I think this is going on. You got to be like, I seen this. This is what happened. This is the marks. This is what the child said or no one is going to look at it. Like mm-hmm. there's been kids that have come into care and we found that there were like 80 reports made, but not one of them had ever been investigated. Right. Yeah. So I was only in like the removal part for a few months and it was like just too unethical for me. So then I've, I've moved into working with kids once they've been removed mm. and helping them settle in with foster families and working with families in that way yeah mm. it's heavy dark. systems yeah. booked. dark stuff yeah but then there's no way Has to it, fix it what is it <laughs> what are the sort of trends maybe for things like child abuse and 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 uh drug addicted parents now compared to 40 50 or even 20 years ago in australia things generally going down or 
it's, things getting worse. It's pretty much remained consistent, unfortunately. Yeah. And, is, is, yeah. and is that as a percentage of the population? Yeah, I can't okay. remember. I just looked this up like a few days ago. Um, but I can't remember the actual stat over the, off the top of my head. But there, it was like a really, really shocking amount of child abuse that still happens mm. in Australia. And I think it depends also like where you are. Um, and what kind of abuse? Like now that I'm working in Western Sydney, a lot of it is drug abuse or just neglect. Mm. But when I was working in the in I um, Chatswood, North Shore, and like Mossman areas and the Northern Beaches, it was all domestic violence, uh, mm. financial ab- violence, and uh, financial, financial abuse. Violence. Sorry, what's financial abuse of, ch- um, of children? It's kind of like well, basically, it'll be like I'm not going to give you any money to i'm not going to pay for this i'm not going to pay for your clothes i'm not going to pay for your shoes i'm not going to do anything if you if you want to have this and you have to work 12 hours scrub this wall like yeah kind okay. of thing like or not letting the mother purchase things for the home so having Usually, having ethnic parents yeah yeah <laughs> it's it's pretty much always comes to the wife and then it gets trickled down to the kids so the financial abuse is more so to the partner um, yeah, okay. But the concerns about the kids arise from that. But yeah, the DV is much higher um, in the North Shore than it is in Western Sydney, which is interesting. Really? Yeah, very interesting. But even, uh, well, first of all, Western Sydney has a, probably a lot more people in it than yeah. just the North Shore. Right? Yeah. Uh, so even when you account for the differences in population, they would, from your best estimates up there probably aren't mm. exact stats there right yeah but no domestic violence rates are higher in for and for anyone who's not from sydney north shore is a very you know upper class affluent yeah, yeah affluent socioeconomic area i think so that... you say the domestic violence is higher in the north shore than and western sydney the stereo western yeah. sydney there's so many suburbs in west sydney, yeah but generally it's considered like you, you make fun of it as the bogan and the ethnic yeah. areas uh, yeah, lower socioeconomic working class. Yeah. But that's that's wild if that's true. The domestic violence is higher for sure, but it doesn't mean that the abuse is worse. So, for example, I would say that the abuse in Western Sydney, like from that comes from neglect, is way worse than DV. Like I remember once we had these um, – we had to remove these two kids. One of them was three and she was like – nine kilos so severely underweight because she had never been fed um anything really she was starved she couldn't walk and like years later she still can't walk she couldn't use her arms because she had like no muscles so she she was she's now physically deformed because of her neglect even though she was born a perfectly healthy baby Mm. and her little brother was six months old and was also nine kilos um and then he was being or maybe he was even younger but he was being so overfed but at only six months he wasn't eating um like having breast milk she was feeding him constant up and goes like non-stop so he was morbidly obese baby and he'd be vomiting up the food and she would just be shoving these bottles of up and go down its mouth like so horrific and when we picked was she mentally ill or something or no she was just had very low intelligence, no money, but she wasn't mentally ill. She just didn't know. And when we got this boy, the back of his head was completely like flat because he'd never, he'd just be left in his cot all day, every day, leaving, like lying on his back. So, 
So this is the police get involved. Is she going to go to jail? Pretty much none of the cases that we've ever like investigated, police were barely ever involved. But that is like that could be even. You could almost argue that if the girl ends up dying, that's murder. That's literally the reason why I left child protection and moved to like out of home care because I just didn't understand like why is police never involved? Even like sexual abuse, barely ever. Like why aren't these people getting? Kind of so she doesn't even get a criminal charge. Nothing was ha- nothing happened. In fact, the last time I saw her, um, like it was like seven months after we removed the children, and I was supervising um, the contact. So like the her, she was allowed to see the birth parents are legally allowed to see their children, like yeah. maybe four times a year. It could be once a month, it could be once a fortnight, depending, um, and on the kids' reactions and whether or not the parents want to. So. I would see her every so often. First, she'd always get, she was a bit like, she was like the same age as me. Um, and she was, she was with it, but she just was, just didn't know about kids. Anyway, the last time I saw her, she was pregnant again. So that was shocking. But yeah, police very rarely get involved with that, even when we report what we've seen to them, especially with DV, it's really hard to get people convicted of that, even after 10, 15 separate occurrences of that. Mm. Yeah. But coming back to when when you say domestic violence is high in North Shore than uh, Western Sydney, do you mean domestic violence against uh, children or just domestic violence in general? In general. Yeah, yeah. That's still, that's so shocking. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Why, why do you think that? Because the... You would just assume that uh, domestic violence would be higher in lower socioeconomic It must areas. be like, I think it must be like per capita or something. It can't be like, you know, if there's only this amount of people and in... Um, but even then. Yeah. Even then, it's still really shocking to Yeah, me. yeah. I didn't think it would be either. Like when I started doing on the North Shore, I was like, surely there's not going to be much around here. Like it was crazy. We are getting calls out constantly and for that were they because i know in every even in the richer areas there's yeah. always some housing commission places and things no it was the rich it, people really? like and the thing is they they go about it in the worst way like i want to forget like i went to this like big fuck off mansion yeah and he pushed his um this young very gorgeous man had a wife who was a barbie and the two beautiful kids anyway he'd pushed her down the stairs and um she'd broken her ankle and called the police the ambulance came kids went and stayed with the grandparents and then we went out to investigate yeah and straight away she was like um we had to interview them separately and she was like um i overreacted like I, I lied. I, I threw myself down the stairs and we were like, we have the reports from the nurses in the hospital where you were saying, you know, he pushed you um, and that you'd had a fight because he was hurting the children and they, he'd left bruises on them, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, no, I made it all up. It's all a lie. Like wouldn't look at us in the eyes and stuff. Um, and then we interviewed him and he was so charming and it was like disgusting how – and he'd be like, Eliza – I've seen you out here, around here a little bit. Have I seen you before? Have we met in a bar or something? See, she she just overreacts, Susie. Like you know, she she did this to herself. She's just a you know very emotional and erratic woman. Like that kind of thing happened all the time. Where wow. you, you ask the question, did you push her? Yes or no? And they'll be like, when I was traveling through Spain, Eliza, I 
picked up the spice. Did you push the child? Did you hurt the child? And as I was saying, when I then traveled over to New Zealand, like this kind of like never answering the question, it's weird And so thing. that wasn't just that one-off. It was, it it was, was all of them. And pattern. You, you wouldn't know how many men asked me, have I met you? Like, I don't know what tactic that is. And I'm like, no, we've never met. Not once. Never seen you in my life. We haven't met. Sorry. So it really is yeah. that sort of... Because, yeah, I don't really hang out with... Narcissistic. Those, those yeah. kind of people. But that's anyway, that's really shocking. We yeah. got to... Uh, we went on some pretty interesting tangents there. That was great. Bring back the chicken that was your chat. Podcast. That was great. I loved it. Um, so uh, like I said earlier on in the podcast, uh, this will be our last for 2020. Thank you for all the support so far. And uh, if you'd like to subscribe and uh, offer any financial support, oh, that sounds like it was like a plea for charity. <laughs> We are a charity. No, we've got we've got subscriptions available and there are perks available at each subscription level. Go to neilcolhacker.com slash podcast. Enjoy your Christmas and New Year. We'll be back in the second week of January. Hope you've enjoyed Sex Cell so far. And we'll see you next year. See you in Jan. <laughs> Bye guys. Bye.